Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I've said that many times. Yes, you have. This is the 353rd time I've said that. And you've said it well every time. I try. I try. One day I'm going to get good at it, but I'm still working on it. Still practicing. Maybe when I get to like 999 times. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to the luxurious bar. Hopefully hopefully we'll make it that far. That'd be nice if the Lord has that in his plans. That would be nice. We'll we'll have to see. I'll let you know if he doesn't. I'll, I'll be. I'm sure we'll find out. Soon enough. <laughs> well, let's just count hey, our blessings. Where's Deacon Jeff? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's count our blessings. We are both here we're in the here. luxurious corner booth. Yes, we are. Uh, in fact, uh, what's neat is we're going to talk today about something that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we always talk about the evangelization. And yes. I was actually getting ready to write an article, a little short article about evangelizing and evangelization and the importance of it, et cetera. And I thought, let me go back to... You're the to, perfect guy for that. Okay, whatever. But I, maybe because I say yes, <laughs> and the people are like, well, we need an article. <laughs> Uh, but the, but the point is, I thought, well, you know, let me go to my my sources here. What is evangelization? So naturally, the first thing I did was go to the Webster's Dictionary to what is the definition of evangelization? Perfect. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. But I you but I do have. know you have to look at what is evangelizing, right? Right. And so what I looked at and found, obviously, is and what I know is that essentially it's it's proclaiming the gospel, it's sharing the gospel message, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so w- when we hear uh, Evangelization, we are sharing the message, the good news of Jesus Christ. Right. That's what the gospel is. That's what uh, evangelization is. Mm-hmm. Right. So I thought, well, you know, we ought to go back to, you know, we're in the new evangelization. We are. Let's go to the, the first evangelization. Let's go to the old one. The old one. What, what is the old one? And then you think, like, well, is that just like what Jesus said, like Sermon on the Mount? Where where does the the... the the evangelization happen, and a lot of folks don't realize, and so we thought we'd talk about today, where is the first gospel? Now, yeah. naturally, if I were to say, Tom, open your Bible, uh, first you'd have to have one, but Tom, open your Bible. I'm kidding. You have a Bible. <laughs> open your Bible to the gospels. Well, naturally, you're going to know they're not in the Old Testament. They're in the New Testament, right? right? And so we'd naturally go to Matthew, um, Mark, Luke. John, one right, of one of the Beatles. You'd go right. there, and it's exactly. not John, Paul, and Ringo. No, that's a yeah. different George. Uh, no, George yeah, there? There, I don't think he had a gospel either. There, there might have been a gospel of George. Yeah. They haven't discovered it in Qumran or whatever in the caves. <laughs> but but seriously, though, the four gospels, you You're named them correctly. Roll, I'm on a roll. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I don't want to be disrespectful because I love this. I know. I'm I love Jesus. humor in the middle of all this stuff. So all yeah. those people I just offended by calling with the Beatles, you know, the gospel Send writers, they're emails, not. Please. Yeah, Send yeah please. To Tom at thecatholiccafe.com. No, um, so the Gospels, yeah, we know. They, they come to us in the New Testament, right? And that's right. what we, we read them every Sunday at Mass. We're reading from them, and, and over a three-year period, we're reading all of the, the Gospels being presented to us uh, sort of cyclically, and then we do it again and again. And we know the Gospels, right? We know, mm-hmm. and Gospel is just a word that comes to us that means good news. Right. So we know the good news. Now, a lot of people don't realize that the first gospel is instead of the evangelium, it's the proto evangelium. It's a it's a the proto evangelium is it just means the first proto means first right and evangelium means uh, the proclamation of the gospel or the gospel 
uh, the first good news, the mm-hmm. first gospel. Mm-hmm. That's what Proto-Evangelium means. Okay. And it actually refers to something way back All right. in the first book of the Bible. Perfect. In Genesis. And there you're you thinking, oh, wait a second. Yeah. Was Jesus even around? Now, uh, we can talk all day, and we need to, And if you say that question, was Jesus even around? Of course he was. Jesus is eternal and has always been the eternal Son of God. Right. Right. So certainly Jesus was around in the book of Genesis, and yet not in, in uh, revealed to, to human beings in the sense that we understand the Son to have been revealed, especially in the context of the incarnation. Right. Right, where God takes on flesh and dwells among us. Right. But yet Jesus was still around. But it's like, well, wait a second. I didn't think Jesus was around in the Old Testament. It was all about God, uh, the Father, and his relationship with the people of Israel, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Right? Isn't that where it is? Well, in you, if, you, if you believe that or understand it that way, and while there are some theological issues with what I just said, mm-hmm. um, if we accept that, it's still true that there was a first gospel. Okay. Right there was a, there was a promise made, and this is so it's such a neat thing. And so I want to take a few minutes today, and and go through that part of the Bible, and, and where it takes us is is to the third chapter of Genesis. Okay. So we're going back to the Garden of Eden. All righty. Right, that wonderful little place Perfect. where Paradise. they had yeah twenty four seven buffets were open. You could eat. You never got fat. They had every cable channel. Right there, they had like the ultimate super package. Everything you could ever imagine, right? It was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, I'm being facetious to all because I, I know there's a couple of folks that just said he's wrong. I'm gonna write that letter <laughs> to that deacon. Uh, you know, I'm gonna complain to his bishop. I know that there was no cable TV, right? But I'm trying to help people understand that everything that you could desire it was, there. was present there. And yet, God had a rule about one tree. One rule. It's just one rule. Just one rule. <laughs> I gave you just one <laughs> rule. How many times have you seen the movie? I, you had one job. Yeah. You only had one job, and you messed it up. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> so there's this, the one rule. Don't eat the fruit of that tree. Right. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. Right. The fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat that fruit. Mm-hmm. That was the only thing. Right, everything else is is pure happiness and bliss and fulfillment and peace. Right, is some quality living. Right, and yet we fell, and so after that fall, then sin enters the world, sort of uh, discord and disharmony and uh, just bad things. Yeah, right, enters the world at that time. Mm-hmm. Right, sin and destruction, pain, grief, they were unheard of until that time. Yeah. And so, naturally, God is just a little less than ecstatic. He's less than happy with this with this situation. Tom, did, did your mom, so. did, did Gloria ever get mad at you? Never. Never. Okay, Never. Tom's lying. I'm, you all can't see it, but I can see his face. <laughs> He's lying. Yeah. I think all parents get angry at Tom. Yeah, now, they don't stop loving you. Right. But they can get a little upset. Yeah. And so we say that out. And, 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 and you know, a mixed company will say, Mom got a little upset. Well, in this situation, God got he, a little upset. He was just a little upset. Yeah, but we know he was like, there was a lot going on. Yeah. Right? And so he's calling folks out. He's letting people know what's going to happen. Where are you? Yeah. Right? So, so yeah, and he was looking for yeah. for Adam and Eve. Where are you? Now, you know he's God. He knows where they are. Oh, I know. But he wants them to announce where they are. But this is interesting, you know, and they say, well, you know, we're naked. We're hiding. You know, it's like, well. <laughs> so then he says, uh, this is the 11th verse of the third chapter. He said, 
Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And this is very interesting, by the way, because God, God, he knows, right? Right. Uh, it's kind of like when you see your kid, you told him not to eat the chocolate donuts that were for tomorrow morning. Right. And he's got like chocolate on his teeth and it's like on his clothes. His, right. It's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Did you no. have a chocolate donut? <laughs> <laughs> Not so, me. so, so, uh, so Adam's response, the man said, the woman whom you gave to be, be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Now, that's genius. This is, uh, this is already, you know, we men now, first of all, a lot of us men like to blame the women for original sin. Right. And now we're, we were supposed to, you Adam was supposed to, no, Adam was supposed to be on the scene. He was supposed to be protecting, yeah. guiding and he being, yeah, he blew it. He Big definitely time. put his guard down. But still, like a typical man, when my father, in fact, he does the double blame. It's kind of like a kid. Oh, exactly. But this is even worse. It's more conniving. He does the double blame. Right. It was the woman, that's one, that you gave me. (laughs) You got a problem. Go talk to her. Right? This is what Adam is saying to the Lord of the universe, by the way. You should have given her to begin with. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so she gave it to me. So I ate. Well, I'm supposed to, you know, say, no, honey, I don't want to eat the dinner you cooked for me or whatever. But anyway, all that aside, um, the Lord God said to the woman, what is that? What is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent. Now, of course, now she blamed somebody else, too. And, but she's a little more honest. Yeah. Right. She says it like this. The serpent beguiled me and I ate. Mm-hmm. Right. And, that, and that's true. He, the, devil temp, the devil tempts us. Yeah. Right. The Lord God said to the serpent. So he turns. Now, he's, already, he's heard from Adam and Eve. He got their stories. And he kind of already knew. But he got their stories. Mm-hmm. So he turns to the serpent. And this is where the, we start to see a little bit of a wrathful uh, approach to things. And he says, and these are kind of scary words when they come to you from the Lord of the universe. You think? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have done this. Cursed are you above all cattle and above all wild animals. Upon your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. It's like, ooh, that's pretty heavy. That's he really the, is mad. Yeah, that's the uh, the end of the fourteenth verse uh, of uh, chapter three. But in after that, mm-hmm. and so even in this wrath, even this curse mm-hmm. of the devil, you know, the snake. We see this image of a snake now, and that's why the devil's a lot of times portrayed as a snake mm-hmm. uh, in movies and things. And snakes are, ew, you know, and they they eat dirt supposedly, and and this is like. This is what we see, but right after that wrathful moment, there's a curious little phrase that's that's put in here. Okay, and that's this. This is the fifteenth verse of the third chapter of Genesis. The Lord says to the to the devil to the serpent, "I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel." And then he turns to the woman and he starts, and to Adam he said this, and, and, and essentially he's letting them know that there are consequences to sin. Essentially he's casting them out of the Garden of Eden. Right. But that little phrase, that 15th verse, mm-hmm. it's important for us to understand this is called the Proto-Evangelium. Okay. Right? This is, this is the first gospel because in the middle of this wrath, so he's, God is angry with the serpent. And, of course, he's disappointed in Adam and Eve, and, and there are consequences that he's lying, laying there on them. You know, to Eve, he says, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children, yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your life, wife and have eaten the tree of which I commanded you, 
you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles. I mean, this is bad stuff. It is bad. But sandwiched in between that admonishment of Adam and Eve and the admonishment of the serpent is this little phrase right. about enmity mm-hmm. between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. And that's important for us to understand. And this is the key to everything. Mm-hmm. Right, so I'm building up to this big climactic moment to be able to tell you what, Tom. We're on pause. We're gonna take a break. Please stand by. Please, this is this is good stuff. You've got to come back and hear and understand what the Proto Evangelium is. How is it the first gospel? Right. This is powerful stuff. We're gonna do that right after we take this break. But before we do that, I want to remind folks at home to visit us on our website, thecatholiccafe.com. And also send me emails. Man, I'm loving the emails I'm getting. We are getting some cool ones. They're just awesome emails. Send them to me. I'm going to read them on the air. Call your name out, and all your Catholic friends are going to say, I know you. Uh, Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email. With that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. St. Monica is a North African saint who has inspired millions of Catholics to pray and hope for their family members who have fallen away from or who have never even approached the Church of Christ. She was married at an early age to a man of her parents' choosing. Her spouse was a pagan man with a secure income and an exalted position within the community. Unfortunately, he lacked integrity and basic virtue. He was unfaithful to their marital vows and abusive. A biographer of St. Monica's wrote, She knew, she saw, but she kept quiet and suffered in silence. She prayed and probably wept, but realized that the religion of the pagans condoned great moral degradation. Like so many women of her time, she had nowhere in the world to turn. So instead, she turned heavenward to the help of the Almighty. And help he did. St. Monica was so well known for her deep inner peace and holiness that she began to counsel other women who had unfaithful and wayward husbands. Because of her great witness to the love of Christ in her own life, her husband eventually renounced sin and became a Christian. He died soon after his conversion and left St. Monica with her children. One of her children was the famous St. Augustine of Hippo, who had completely renounced the Christian faith of his upbringing and was living a dissolute life. The saintly woman prayed, encouraged, and pleaded with her son, like any good mother is apt to do. She followed him from their home in North Africa to Rome, and finally to Milan. St. Monica prayed to God on her son's behalf for many, many years. She never lost hope, and she never stopped praying. After many turbulent years in the lives of both St. Monica and St. Augustine, her prayers were answered. St. Augustine is now one of the greatest and most revered fathers and doctors of the Church. Many of our stories are not as dramatic as St. Monica's or St. Augustine's, but we can all learn from her persistence and filial love. Family and friends have left or avoided the loving arms of the church for many and various reasons, but they all come back for the same reason, the experience of Christ's powerful love. St. Monica is a great witness to this love of Jesus Christ. Her persistence and gentle patience are a roadmap 
for our own lives and conversions. St. Monica's Feast Day is August 27th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Just heard from my lovely wife, Bess, talking She's about awesome. St. Monica, who's a, you know, for parents, St. Monica is a great saint to pray to because she had that crazy rat scallion, St. Augustine. She didn't give up, did she? No, she didn't. She kept praying for that boy, and, and it kind of worked, worked out well. Yeah. So uh, if you got that difficult child in your life, St. Monica's going to help you. I wonder if you and I were like the difficult We children. might have been. I don't know. You know? Well, you know, I don't want to ask my mom. Yeah. You know, because I'm scared of the answer. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so, uh, and also, so I guess we want to remind people uh, about the emails. We just, we mentioned that in passing, but it's kind of neat to read the emails because people are telling us about their lives, you know, and I just appreciate that people let me know where they are, what they're thinking about. And if they have questions or whatever, but I love reading them on the air. Plus, plus ideas. Send us some ideas. We haven't we haven't really read a long email and it's gone through it in a while. It's mm-hmm. been it's been a while. So if you if you feel like God is calling you to something, and you've been waiting for that moment, you've been called. Tell us. Send us an email, uh, and uh, we'll see if we can't walk through it and talk through it. Yeah. Uh, and help other people see where you are. Of course, we can we can do the anonymous thing or change the names or whatever. But I think. What life experiences we have are valuable to others to see where they are. It's amazing how many people are doing the same thing you're doing. That's right. Right? Exactly right. So where are we now? We're talking about the Proto-Evangelium, the right. first gospel. Right. And where that is and, and really why that's so important to you and me. Because, mm-hmm. again, I just slung out some Latin word, Proto-Evangelium. Thank you. But what's the, I mean, it sounds like something you got to go to the doctor to get removed. Yeah. I got a proto-evangelium. He's going to cut it off, <laughs> you know. And it's like, uh, why is it important to me? Why do I, don't make me laugh. Why Why should I care? Yeah, right, exactly. And so th- and so we're going to get there. And, and uh, so hang in with me. I want to talk about now actually the actual statement in there in Scripture that is called the Proto-Evangelium, why the, the early church has always called it this and known it as this, and why this is so important to us. And to remind you that this is God's message to the serpent mm-hmm. in between admonishing the serpent and admonishing Adam and Eve. Right. Right? And so in between there, he sticks this on the end of the serpent's part of admonishment. He says this to him, I, meaning the Lord, will put enmity. And, of course, enmity just means a great chasm or distance, separation. Mm-hmm. Enmity means you ain't close. Right. I'm going to put a huge amount of distance between you and the woman. Mm-hmm. Right. And, again, this is mysterious. Mm-hmm. The woman. Mm-hmm. Who's the woman? Mm-hmm. Now, our Catholic Church and our, our the, the, the fathers of the church from the very beginning have seen a connection between the serpent here is being called out as who the first you. I will put enmity between the serpent mm-hmm. and the woman. Have seen the woman in two lights, but primarily um, in in the fullness of Catholic theology and teaching that that woman is Mary. Right. We see that in that scripture. We see Mary. Sure. Because it speaks of later in the next line between the the devil's seed and her seed. Right. Right. And so. Um, it's it's as Catholics we see this in the, in its fullness there, but also it can be said, and some of the early church fathers saw the connection between 
um, Israel being the mother of the Savior, right? Because Jesus came out of the, the chosen people, out of the Jews, out of, um, out of Israel. Mm-hmm. And so you could see Israel also as that woman. But incidentally, we see Jesus refer to his mother as woman. There you go. Woman, behold your son. There you go. Right? Which is an odd thing to say to mom. Yeah. You know, woman. Um, and woman, what you does this have to do with me uh, now? You know, what has it to do with me? Uh, this is not my hour. You know, when she's talking about when she comes the up to him and feast. says, hey, you need to make some uh, wine for these folks because mm-hmm. they're just running low. And, and the whole point is we see that woman that she's referred to as woman. And then, of course, a woman crowned with the stars, clothed with the sun. Uh, you know, you see, you see this image of uh, John uh, in the book of Revelation of, and we've seen this in its fullness again as Mary, mm-hmm. all right, Queen of Heaven. And so, um, if you look at Mary here, then it makes perfect sense, right? So God is saying to the devil, "I'm going to put distance between you and Mary, mm-hmm. between your seed. What is the seed of the devil? I think we all know that it's it's all the sin, it's all the the." The demons of the world, it's it's pure evil. Right. Right. The seed of lies is lies. So the father of lies gives birth to lies, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then this who is what is the seed of the woman? It's Jesus. Is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so they've seen this in its fullness being Jesus and Mary mm-hmm. being referred to here, right? And then it says this curious thing, which further helps us understand what's going on. It says, He shall bruise your head. And you shall bruise his heel, mm-hmm. which again it's like, what does that mean? Why is he speaking in in riddles or, or whatever? I don't understand, but it makes perfect sense when you see um, Jesus bruising the, her seed. Mary's seed is Jesus. He bruises the devil's head. Have you seen that picture of Saint Michael the Archangel? Yeah, beaten on the devil. Yeah, and where's he got his foot? Firmly planted where? On his head. On the devil's head. And to hold a man down by his head is total domination. That's right. Of, of the man. Mm-hmm. Right? And so the devil being, was being destroyed mm-hmm. by Jesus. His, Jesus' foot is upon the devil's head. Mm-hmm. Now, that is not without some kind of consequence or pain, right? Mm-hmm. And so when it says, and he shall, uh, you shall bruise his heel. Mm-hmm. Where is his heel? His heel is on the devil's head. Right. And the most the devil can do is bruise him. Mm-hmm. Right? And that, and that bruise, then, is the crucifixion. The reason why it's just a bruise is because it's not total calamity and death. Right. He overcame it. He overcame death. Mm-hmm. Right? So all the devil's going to be able to do is bruise, bruise him. him. Right. You know, that, what, that Monty Python movie. It's, it's only a flesh wound, <laughs> you know? Uh, now, that was a goofy movie, and I don't recommend that to our listeners. Right. Uh, unless you're fully mature in your in your faith, but there's some funny stuff in there. But but the whole idea that like it's just Jesus just had like a little it's a little it's a scratch oh right. nothing but a scratch I'm fine because really as horrible as the crucifixion was mm-hmm. an ordinary man would not be able to come back from that oh yeah no no way and so that's why we know that Jesus is the God man right. that he would he would die and yet he would come back to life he would be resurrected mm-hmm. right and he would on his his own strength and his own power, the power of God overcome sin and death and yet only be bruised in the, in the time. So we still see that bruise and that bruises that, that crucifixion reminds us of what he did for us, the suffering that he encountered. So when you see a bruise on your arm, it reminds you of that, of that battle of that, whatever happened, right? Of that, whatever calamity. And so, so that's so, but again, I want to go back to the important point that in the middle of, 
admonishing the devil and, and, and admonishing Adam and Eve, Jesus, God never loses uh, love for humanity. Mm-hmm. And he promises a savior. So this is the gospel. So the, we call the gospels gospel because they are the good news. And the good news is God loves you so much that even though you've sinned, he sent his son to reconcile you to himself so that you will be able to live in heaven forever. That's good news. And we live in a world, good news and right this there. is the first time we ever see good news. And it's way before, literally way before Jesus is, uh, uh, takes on flesh. That God takes on flesh and dwells among us. This is like the first inkling we get in understanding that, you know what? God's got a plan. It's also cool as it's sandwiched in all that calamity, too. Right. You know? Again, that's why I asked the question, like, you know, did your mom still love you even though she had to... Oh, absolutely. ...maybe admonish you time and again? Right. The reality is there that love has always been there. And, and that love, that law of God... We were created in his image and likeness, and that love was written into our hearts, and he calls us to love. love. But it's important for us to understand if we are created in God's image and likeness, Mm -hmm. and God is essentially the first proclaimer of good news, the first broadcaster of the gospel, right, in the Proto-Evangelium, God the Father himself promises a Savior for for the good of all, right, then if we're made in his image and likeness, why are we not doing that? Good point. So this is the big challenge to us. This is why I would bring this up uh, at this time. This is why we need to talk about the Proto-Evangelium. It's because it's written into our hearts. Mm-hmm. We are evangelists. Why are we not evangelizing? And not just proving Protestants wrong or uh, you know, uh, standing on a street corner and shouting. The reality is in love to help people see the good news, to experience the good news. And maybe that's just how we live our life. Mm-hmm. Right, but also studying the scriptures, reading the scriptures, standing up for life, being in front of Planned Parenthood yeah. during the forty days for life. These opportunities we have to minister to people, not in anger, right. but even when there are times when there should be anger, to remember the law of love written by God on our hearts, and be able to have this proto evangelium inscribed on our hearts that we're always evangelizing, mm-hmm. we're always reaching out, we're always asking people. Do you, do, do, you, do you want to hear some good news? Right. And then we had to ask ourselves, well, are we doing enough? Yeah. Right? So the Proto-Evangelium is proof positive that God always had a plan. And I guess the thing is, we just need to be on board with that plan. Amen. Let's, uh, so let's, uh, let's, let's latch on to that plan. Let's live that plan. Let's be evangelists. Right? Let's let everyone know how much God loves them and how much he wants them to be with him for all eternity in heaven. Amen. And Jesus' mother... Is a, is a great avenue to do that, right? That's right. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mother, Mother of God, God pray, pray for us sinners, sinners, now at the, the hour, hour of our death. death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com where you can find out more information about The Catholic Cafe, listen online, download MP3s, or subscribe to our podcast. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta, Federal Association, and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from 
the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time. <laughs>